This message is brought to you by Living Faith Church. You can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com. The flow of the Spirit wrecks me, blows me away, blows me away. Um. (laughs) I seriously, like, I mean, the worship built a nest, like, it swirls. Like God doesn't build rigid nests. He builds these swirling winds and our heart adds to it. And, and the power of songs and the word that's in the songs is, it's crazy. And okay, here, here's my statement. <laughs> God is not preparing us for his move, but as his move. Isn't that what she just preached? That's what she just preached. We're the move. We come in here and we go on Sundays and and however, when you study at home, when you look at the word, anytime you give yourself to truth, there's a preparation for awareness happening. Like, do you realize why you're on the planet? Do you realize that caring about other people, being unbothered, by what someone will do, but simply an act of love. I think we take too little thought to what an act of kindness does. I mean, there's resurrection power in an act of kindness. We say, let's, let's see the resurrections. Let's see the kindness. Are you guys with me tonight? Because we're, we're looking at, there's going to be some teaching tonight because God is God is doing some stuff to wreck in a good way to draw human thinking back to the original purpose and intent, which was unashamed abandonment to living life, not just existing. Okay. So tonight we are going to look at spirit-filled living from the standpoint that you are built. I am built to hear God. (laughs) whether it's about a $20 bill or a smile or a touch or a prayer, whatever it is, we're built to hear him. And when we put all of the hearing in the confines of religion or a church setting or a church pew or church obedience, you know, for a couple of weeks, we've been talking about the difference between obeying and actually yielding, actually surrendering. And God is really drawing us to a place of surrendering our lives to release life out of us. You have inclinations. And Allison, in sharing that, just shared the magnitude. She had a major encounter with God. God comes to us so simply, but we need to understand he has built us to hear him. And many times, and we talked about this a little bit in chat, we we make it kind of casual like it's not really him because it sounds simple or it might sound like our own voice. And yet, When it's some good action, it's God moving. I feel like way, like I'm in a tunnel, almost echoey up here. Um, Not a complaint, just observation. Uh, Maybe I'm just being loud. Is everybody okay tonight? Y'all okay? God's drawing our hearts in very interesting ways. Okay, so the issue is not really um, an issue of being able to hear God as much as being 
Say no condemnation before I even say it. As being willing to hear him. Being willing to hear him. It's important to maintain the purity of our hearts because we want to be free of a bunch of turmoil and distractions filling us. You see, something is always going to fill us. That's what, as humans, we need to understand. Something's always going to fill us. Something's always going to take up space, thoughts, attention, and um, even our devotion. Sometimes we don't mean to give things devotion. But when they have 85% of our time, we're devoted to them. Ouch. We want to maintain peaceful waters, a calm flow, thus being able to receive the slightest nudge from Holy Spirit. Our original, and I'm, I'm going to go into some things because we're going to look in a, in a rather rough passage of scripture at the Greek and the pictures painted because we, we are in God's image. We are created in God's image and no, we don't, he doesn't look like a human being, but we are spirit beings. You see, we have a human, um, body. It's just like when we send, um, astronauts to outer space, they have to put on a spacesuit. So when a spirit is released, a child is born into the earthly realm, they need an earth suit. Just painting pictures, not making a doctrine, though it is a doctrine. It's a doctrine of creation. Just say Take a deep breath. It's okay. Like there's no condemnation in here. There is, there's no constraint. There's no legalism. There's actually immense freedom. And freedom comes when we let our minds be used the way God wants our minds used. So that we're not care-filled, we're carefree. Our original experience of the new birth came as a result of the incorruptible word or seed of God. And now it becomes present continuous by being continually full or that experience, continually full of that truth in a fresh way. In other words... You're not literally having your new birth experience every day. And yet it's, it's akin to that. When we allow the truths of God to enlighten us, to open the eyes of our understanding, to bring light. You see, that's what God's word does. It shines light on crazy thinking and says, mm, you don't want to think like that. It makes you feel distracted. It makes you feel tormented. It makes you feel anxious, right? God is not preparing us, and I'm going to repeat this, for his move, but as his move. And I want to go to Ephesians 3. I'm going to read quite a bit of scripture tonight. And I want you guys to bear with me. And I want you to really, this is, this is what we're doing tonight. We are learning tonight. We are learning further. Whatever you have inside your heart, there is further revelation. Pastor Barry always said that revelation is progressive. And it is. Think about it. Think about the things that a child learns. A child learns about speech, learns how to express themselves. But that revealing or revelation of how to exist in life grows as they mature, right? They learn how to handle their intellect. They learn what to do with their own authority, with their own autonomy, with their own life. They learn as they mature. The same happens with us as children of God. We mature in truth. So I want to go to Ephesians chapter 3, and I'm going to read um, in the New King James. 
I'm going to go back and forth between the New King James and the Passion tonight in a couple of places. But I want to start in verse um, 8 of chapter 3 of Ephesians. To me, who am I? And this is the Paul. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the church at Ephesus. Okay. So any letter to a church in the New Testament is a letter to us. It's just that he happened to be sending it to the church at Ephesus. But he always said about his letters, pass them around. Because there was teaching, there was guidance in it. So this is a letter being written to us as well. To me, who am less than the least of all saints, this grace was given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of God, and to make all see what is the fellowship. That's the Greek word there is koinonia, and it's a very intimate fellowship. It's like way intimate fellowship, like face-to-face, in-your-business fellowship. To make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from beginning, the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God, who created all things through Christ Jesus. To the intent. Now, here's an intention. God had a mystery. He had some understanding that he was preparing the way for man to come to understanding. You see, God's so gracious that throughout human history, from even before the fall, he was a covenantal God. Covenant means um, we could use the word contract, but that's really not strong enough. God covenants. He makes a pact with man. He makes promises from God's side. He never breaks them. So when he's promised and we get in with him and say, okay, I'm going to do everything that you tell me to do to learn what it means to be in agreement with you. So honestly, I believe that's what God's doing now. He's teaching the church, like, wake up. You could get an agreement with me like Allison was even saying and teaching technically over the offering to get an agreement with the release of the love of God. That is not about a $20 bill or whether the guy will use it wrongly. The seed that was being sown wasn't a $20 bill. It was an excuse to say God loves you and he doesn't care what you do. He still loves you. That will turn a heart because it's the Bible says the goodness of God draws men to change, draws a man to repentance. It's the goodness of God. So here we go. Paul's about to tell us why this mystery is going to be revealed now to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places, according to the internal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus, our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. Therefore, I ask that you do not lose heart at my tribulations for you. He was just going through a times and he says don't freak out about my rough times because there's an intention in God and everything that's going on in my life and some of it was they they witnessed Paul stand in faith they witnessed God deliver him out of situations I mean come on guys an earthquake happened breaks the chains and, and bars on a jail because he's worshiping are you guys with me Therefore, I ask that you do not lose heart at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. For this reason, I bow my knees to the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. And family is God's vision. We're learning how to be his family, right? Still, every day till I die, I'll learn how to be his family to a greater degree. You understand you're already 100% his family, but he teaches us what that means. My kids are still learning at... At um, 35, 37, and 39, they're still learning what it is to be Neil and I's children. 
Every act of love, every act of assistance, everything they're learning, this is covenant, this is family. They're teaching it to their kids. You see the progression? It's beautiful. That he would grant you, so this is Paul's prayer, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell, take up habitation in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God." Wow. (laughs) To understand who we are. That we would know that we're filled with the fullness of God. We're in his image, guys. This like makes me intoxicated, like dizzy, thinking, oh my goodness. You see, this is why we go to the Bible. We don't go to the Bible just to get a couple of rules and regulations so we don't trip. He's like, I want you to know that you are my move in the earth. Jesus was the firstborn among many brethren. Of which we are, however many of us are in this room. And he came. He came to release us into expressing the manifold wisdom of God in his purpose. His purpose is not whack. All this junk we see in the earth is not from God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. To him be glory. That's actually a manifest. It's visible. To him would be glory that's made visible. That we actually make him seen. $20 bill will make him seen. To that homeless man. A $20 bill. Because God's love is expressed through an actual genuine heart. Now, that $20 bill ended up in a bucket for veterans. His love will be made known to those veterans. Because a spirit-filled believer heard what God had been trying to say to her. God knew exactly when she was going to be obedient with that $20 bill. That $20 bill was also about a lesson to a woman who happens to believe in miracles. To push her further into the fact that you can manifest miracles, Allison. Do you all realize sitting in here you can manifest miracles? Don't look for spectacular happenings. Look for miracles. Miracles are supernatural. Miracles are out of the love of God, out of the heart of God for mankind. To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Now, I read that prayer because we are his move. Okay? He intentionally makes himself able to be heard, perceived, and recognizable. All of us in this room are probably hearing so much from God every day that if we knew it was God, we'd fall out in the spirit. Literally probably fall over. Like freaked out that, oh my gosh, it can be overwhelming. But if we just release in actions like that, we are made or crafted in his image. And as I said earlier, it's not that he looks like a human. It's that we are spirit. We are spirit. I'm not sure sometimes we really, you see, this is this, this, Series, spirit-filled living. Spirit-filled. Part of spirit-filled living is not just this coming to a charismatic church, shamatata talking in a spirit language, singing charismatic songs, lifting our hands, dancing around, shaking. That's that's beautiful, wonderful stuff when it's the release of our heart. But that's not the spirit-filled existence. The spirit-filled existence is when our hearts open up 
and release the life of God, the goodness of God. And that could be a $20 bill. That could be a smile at someone. A smile at someone who hasn't been smiled at genuinely for weeks or months or maybe ever. So we're made, crafted in his image. We are his kind. You are of the God kind. People freak out to hear that. And there are some people that will say, you're teaching heresy. No, I'm not. I I didn't say it. God said it. In the first book of the Bible. It says, in the image of God, we were made. The Elohim, the, the, the triune God. Made us in his image. You know, I think the most beautiful thing is that if, if we, if all of us would, whoever is willing, just tonight, make a decision in your heart to learn what that means to be in the image of God, to be the God kind, to be literally spirit, soul, and body. What was his intention with spirit, soul, and body? We're able to feel, we're able to be compassionate. We're able to be so filled with faith that we're not drowned by our emotions, but we're motivated by our emotions. You see, emotions are simply to emote, (laughs) to emote. And sometimes we do need to cry because if you stuff the pain, you'll get stopped up and you'll get numb. And then you just go through an existence until you don't. So we're of his kind. We're made out of his word. (laughs) We're made out of his word. You're made out of the words of God. He communicated. And there you were in your mother's womb. Because in the, build, in the beginning, he said, let there be light. And then he built the man. And then out of the man, he takes the woman. And then the man of his own accord calls her back to himself. And God's, God's intention was, yeah, call her back to yourself. Then the two of you together are going to beget. You're going to reproduce after your kind. Because God had breathed into Adam the breath of lives. When it says that God breathed into Adam in Genesis, in the beginning, he breathed into Adam the breath of life. But when you go into the ancient language, it was the breath of lives. So he literally, in this original purpose, in this original couple, he's breathed into the head of that household. He's breathed in a capacity to reproduce, to to have generations. And they're all eternal beings. Not immortal, but eternal. It wasn't that they couldn't die. It was that they didn't have to die. God knew ahead of time that they would make a choice that would open them to death. Open them to the other seed. But he'd already made. The Bible says Jesus Christ crucified from before the foundation of the world. Because God knew that the foundation of the world would be shook with a lie. And so he'd already made the way of escape. You see, this is a good God. This is a God who says, man, just let me use a $20 bill. And I'm not mocking this. That was brilliant. That was a brilliant offering. That was, you preached, you taught, that was anointed, that was provocative, that was motivating, convicting. Jesus, help us. So we're made out of his word, his communication of himself in divisible form. You see, speaking of Jesus, John 1.14 says that the word took on flesh and dwelt among us. 
the living word of God. The spiritual seed of God took on flesh. Our actions take on a fleshed out behavior. It's important to recognize that God loves us. Now hear me, please hear me. But he has designed a plan or system that is seed-based. Meaning things reproduce or increase according to their own kind. That can be beautiful and that can be scary as you know what. Because actions and seeds and words of light multiply after their kind. And actions and seeds and words of darkness also reproduce after their kind. That's why we see what we see in the world, guys. We give far too much credit to demons and to the devil. He simply takes advantage of our mishaps and our missteps. Say no condemnation. Because we're learning this. It's very important that we learn this. It's just like when you're raising a child and you live in a neighborhood where there's a street near your house. It's very important that your children learn to stay out of the street. As the children of God, it's very important that we learn to stay out of the street called darkness. Say no condemnation. We're learning, right? I mean, in the scheme of eternity... um, Even the thousands, millions of years of the earth is young. We're talking eternity. And if we're blessed with a long life and say you want to live to 90 or 100 or 120, I mean, some of us that are even a little bit, you know, older in this room. I mean, technically in this day and age, at 64, I could be at only midlife. Do you realize that? There are people living like that age now. So I could have 64 more years. I'm not going to accept the thought I just had because, you know, I hope I learn a little faster if I'm going to stay here that long. (laughs) So he communicated us in visible form. I think you should ask yourself, what does he want to put through your form in the earth that will change people's lives? So it's important to recognize that God loves us, but he has designated a planter system that is seed-based, meaning things reproduce or increase according to their own kind. When you plant in the spring, what kind of garden do you want? Flowers or fruits and veggies? You must use the appropriate seed. You know, it's funny because thoughts and words in this spirit-filled series, God has put a whole lot of emphasis on that. I wonder why. I'm just going to let that pass. Probably because we need it. Romans says that even, the book of Romans in the Bible, says that even creation itself speaks of him, represents him and his order of life. Here's a question, and then I'm going to share an illustration with you. What is the angle or attitude, (laughs) let's just laugh for a second, (laughs) of your heart? Sandy's husband, Chuck, Sandy and Chuck and I were sitting on our deck one time years and years ago, eating some lunch, having pizza. And um, I started talking to Chuck. I can't remember how we got to this illustration, but I, he was sharing an illustration about planes. And the attitude of a plane is um, the angle of the nose of the plane to the horizon. And depending on the angle or attitude of the nose of the jet, it depends on the attitude whether it will descend or rise. 
And I sat there and I said, my goodness, that's the best illustration for faith I've ever heard in my life. If you got a good attitude, you're going to ascend. If you got a lousy attitude, lousy angle on your jet, you're going to descend. I've descended in some areas. I'm taking the jet back. I'm back in the pilot's seat. And I'm, I'm getting aggressive with some of my thoughts. But think about that. It, deter- it determines. So is your heart angled toward truth, kingdom, the will of the Father? You see, that's a really quick decision. But then after that, we have to get aggressive with how we think, with what we allow to come into our arena. Or is your attitude angled toward personal desire, personal fears, your emotions regarding life, maybe dread, um, dislike. You see, Allison was so transparent with the thoughts she had with each opportunity. You know, kind of given to thinking about the homeless guy and what he might do with the money. I mean, she was, thank you. That kind of transparency, because we have to look at our own thoughts like that. Am I really having really low attitude, like angled at really kind of dark, like always scrutinizing myself, always second guessing myself, always thinking, well, is this God? Is this me? You see, if it's something good, what have you got to lose but to do it? Because the word of God says every good gift and every perfect gift comes down from the father of lights with whom there's no variable or shadow of turning. So I don't think... It's something demonic telling you to do a good deed. Just a thought. Now I'm going to go to um, Romans chapter 1. And I think I'm going to read all these verses first. And, um, and then amen on the ones that um, have the Greek, that Greek words that I want to share with you all. Okay, so we're going to go to Romans chapter 1. Are you all awake? Is everybody awake? Is this making sense to anybody? You know what excites me when God hammers in on something and hammers? I remember, um, well, let me tell you what excites me. It excites me because repetition in learning is an aggressive way for somebody to become, now don't freak at this, indoctrinated, brought into a particular teaching. The teaching that we're talking about is the mind of Christ. Hello. (laughs) I think it's real successful life when your mindset is that of the anointed one. You see, Jesus lived a human life and was tempted and dealt with things every day just like us. Otherwise, he could not be a compassionate high priest. And yet he faced everything by the power of the Holy Spirit. So let's look a little bit at that. Romans chapter 1, I'm going to start at verse 16. And I'm going to read through 23. Don't freak. It's a lot of scripture, but this is is a Bible school, right? This is a school of word and worship. So let's do some Bibleness. Verse 16 of chapter 1. For I am not ashamed, means embarrassed, 
of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just, the just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Think about that. Suppress the truth in unrighteousness. That's not just talking about doing dirty stuff. That's when you take negative thinking. It's like you suppress the right thinking in unright thinking. You suppress it. You quench it. You drown it. You cover it up. You blind it. It's not just, I think we always get defensive and say, I don't live a dirty life. I'm a good girl. I come to church. You can come to church all the day long and have crazy thinking. Stinking thinking, yeah, Deb. Suppress the truth and unrighteousness because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. See, we don't make the same kind of idols nowadays that they made back then, but we still make them. Do you know, sometimes we inadvertently can build an idol because we refuse to hear God speaking to us. Say no condemnation. But we can come every single Wednesday night. We can come every single Sunday. Do you guys love me? Don't lie. You're in church. (laughs) Don't lie anywhere. (laughs) Seriously, if, if, if we come to church and we don't love and trust the people who minister to us, don't come to church. I mean, I love you anyways, whether you come or not. But I, I've learned that, like, I have to even say as a teacher, do I love myself enough and love you guys enough to take this? I'm taking this to heart. I'm not just teaching this to you guys. I'm sitting there with God saying, ouch, man, uh, again, you're, you're still, you, I feel like the whole two years we've been in, in this format for the school, we've been looking at thoughts and words, and it's because faith And Christian spirit-filled existence is everything. What else is there to learn? Right? So we can change things. We can get, almost make our own comfort an idol. It's uncomfortable for me to change my thinking. It's going to take time in this truth. You were made out of this. How gracious is God that we have a book to look at? That we have different versions. It's not a sin to read a different translation. You see, we can be as stiff-necked and hard-headed as Israel was. They were trained for generations for the Messiah. And he came and, and like how he looked. 
We've talked about this for a couple of weeks because I could sit here all day and, and he's saying things to me and I'm like, I think my thoughts are okay. And he's saying, well, then why are you afraid in this area? If your thoughts are so stinking good. I'm just, I'm just saying what I'm saying to me. Okay, so let's, let's look a little deeper at this. In Romans 1.16, the New King James says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. The Passion Translation says, and this is so beautiful, I refuse to be ashamed of sharing the wonderful message of God's liberation power unleashed in us through Christ. For I am thrilled to preach that everyone who believes is saved, the Jew first, and then people everywhere. Let's look at a couple of words. The first one I want to look at is gospel. That's a real powerful word. Real powerful. It's euangelion. And it's in ancient Greek... Or in ancient Greece, this word designated the reward given for bringing good news. Later, it came to mean the good news itself. In the New Testament, the word includes both the promise of salvation and its fulfillment in Jesus. Jesus has already fulfilled it. So this good news and the reward of it, it's done. It's really about us waking up to it. What areas in our life are we not awake to the fact that the gospel is ours? The good news is ours. Say no condemnation. Because I look at these things, guys, and even these words, I'm like, okay, Jesus, some people have heard this teaching forever. Pastor Barry used to say, you can go in a garage every day. You're not going to ever come out a car. You know, as a car. Well, you can go in church every day. You can read this book every day. But are we willing to hear what God is saying to me personally in this book? You see, it's not just learning the principles, the doctrines, so that I can say, I'm a Christian. I can wear pants. I'm not a man. And I can wear a dress, and that doesn't make me a girl. Most of you have probably never seen me in a dress. And you might never. But I'm just saying, we can do all kinds of things. Do we realize this gospel has been fulfilled? The good news of God, which is salvation for man. Salvation. So let's, let's go further. So the next word um, in that was power. Okay? I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God. That word is dunamis. How many in here have heard it? And if you've been in this church for 15 seconds, you've heard probably. <laughs> dunamis. It means energy, power. Might, great force, great ability, strength. (laughs) I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is power, energy, might, great force, great ability, and strength of God for my salvation. It is sometimes used to describe the power of the world to come at work on the earth, and divine power overcoming all resistance. Do you know that divine power can overcome my resistance to its working in me? If I simply say, you know, God, 
I want to, I want to know what you're doing in me. I want to know what you're doing with this word. I'm telling you chats. I come in there each week. I'm in shock at some of what's happening and some of the people, well, all of us, but the, the sharing that happens and it's like this vivacious, I don't know. I don't even know what to call it, but there's spirit and love and goodness flowing in here too. I'm just saying when people open their mouths, you have things to share in here. When you sing your songs, when, when we sense the presence of God and worship, why do you think that is? That's your open hearts releasing what's in you. See, we think he can man. He just, man, he just comes and manifests. Come on, guys. Wake up tonight. Come on, living faith. He doesn't manifest in a room, and yet unless some, somebody that's got him in there starts releasing something. And he's been from the beginning of time telling man, do you understand how powerful? You see, he walked with Adam. He literally sat with Adam, and he created stuff. And he says, you name it. You name it, Adam. And God stood by. This is what what it tells us from the ancient language in Genesis, God stood by with Adam and agreed with what Adam called the things on the planet. Why? Adam was the president of the planet. God was training the one who would be the one to run this realm. God says, but I'm going to do it with you, Adam. I'm going to create this stuff. And then out of the abundance of your heart, name it. Because see, naming it wasn't, okay, elephant, mouse, lion. He characterized these things. Do you know Adam isn't really a name like Kathy or Matt? Adam in the ancient language is the name for all of humanity. So God is training the first human and he's saying, what do you call it, Adam? Well, I'm saying to you tonight, Adam, you got stuff in your life. What are you calling it? Are you naming it? What are you naming it from? Are you naming it from the truth that he's stimulating inside of you? Say no condemnation. We're learning this, but it's very important that we learn it because there's a lot of icky going on on this planet and we're the ones that have authority over it. God is in control. We love to say God is in control. God is in control, but will we yield to his control? Will he yield? He's, he can't change stuff in the planet. He gave us an authority. And he says, <clears throat> I want you to allow my word to live inside you because you're my kind. And when you speak, stuff happens. If you don't think that's true, take a peek. If you don't think that's true, walk into a room mad and release your anger and watch what happens. You think you don't have authority? Come on, guys, be mean to somebody and see if it doesn't change them forever. Put a gun in an angry person's hand and send them overseas to war. Come on, guys, we've got to wake up to some of this stuff. And it's very important in the body of Christ that we allow ourselves to be born again, again. I'm not teaching doctrine on that one. I'm just saying, I'm saying, Lord, okay, I'm saved. What does that mean? I don't want it to just be a ticket to heaven in my back pocket. I want it to be your ticket, Father God, into the earth. I want it to be your ability to come here and say, I'm going to use your heart, your mind, your mouth, your life, Kathy, to change. I come in here on Wednesday nights. I love you guys. I love that you listen to me. I love that I can release my passion like this. I love that I know this is a serious group of humans. I'm going to tell you what, walking with Jesus, 12 men. 
turned the world of their day upside down. What are you guys going to do? You're doing it. But get even, push even further into it. Believe for the miracles. Allison named some huge stuff. And she wasn't thinking about like, okay, living faith just needs a jet. But she was stretching. See, God will come and he'll press and press and stretch and say, come on, stretch. Breathe deeply. Breathe deeply. Allow the oxygen of heaven to come into your brain, into your heart, into your life and expand you. You see, that's how babies are born. You actually, I took breathing exercises. Neil and I with our first child, we did Lamaze. And it's so that you can learn to breathe properly so that because muscles need oxygen. And babies are made to come out of a female body. Without slicing and dicing. And I don't mean to be crude. I'm just saying if you breathe properly, your body yields to what's happening. And I'm going to tell you what, your faith muscle, if you breathe this oxygen, your faith muscle will cause things to happen. Without it, it tightens. And then faith turns to faith in the wrong thing, which is actually fear. So that wiping away resistance, that energy, that power, might, great force, great ability and strength, this is meant to be the norm in the spirit-filled church. It is the norm. Don't we declare tonight? Who agrees with me? Put your hand up if you agree with me. This is the norm in living faith. This power, this might working inside of us, bursting out in our thinking, giving us pictures of what God really wants on the planet. Power of God to salvation. Let's look at salvation. That word, that Greek word is soteria. I love it. Deliverance, preservation, soundness, prosperity, happiness, rescue, general well-being. The word is used both in material, temporal sense and in a spiritual, eternal sense. In Luke 19.10, Jesus said, For the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. And that word there, save, excuse me, is sozo, which is a derivative of soteria. The Son of Man, Jesus, came to seek and save. Jesus was the firstborn among many brethren. God is sending us around, filled with our own salvation, to go and seek out situations. Uh, Trust me, they'll find you. This is why he said, don't just have friends in church. Have friends all over the place. Be friendly. Release life. People are going to come into our situations that need truth, need this power of God to salvation. How are they going to learn? In Romans, another portion, Paul says, how without a preacher will they know if people won't go? Some of the going starts in our brains. Will we be willing to hear that he's talking to us? Will we be willing tonight to hear that he wants us to be? Don't hear what I'm not saying. Not the savior but people who will go and save. Will we go and share our lives? Will we be bold enough that I know this is my life? I'm not just a Christian on Sunday. I'm not just a Christian on Wednesday nights. I'm not just a worshiper when I've got a keyboard and and singers that are leading me. I've got to worship. And and this is what Gavin was talking about Sunday, that, that worship is our whole lifestyle. Worship is being willing to let this word do something inside of us.
And then Romans 119. Um, we looked at that and it's what may be known of God is manifest in them for God has shown it to them. The passion translation says of that verse. In reality, the truth of God is known instinctively. For God has embedded this knowledge inside every human heart. Ecclesiastes says that eternity is in our hearts. Do you know that you know things that you don't know you know? Do you know why? You're a spirit being. And having been born of the spirit of God, the omniscient God has made himself one with your spirit. And so if we are willing to say, teach me, Father God, Jesus, I I want you to open the eyes of my understanding. Holy Spirit, enlighten me. And then see, he comes with simple things like you can't keep thinking about yourself like that. Talk about yourself like you're trash. You're my creation. That word shown is fanarajo, and it's to lay bare, to reveal, to uncover, to make visible, to make known what has been hidden or unknown, to make clear. You see, there are things that are so instinctive in us. The word of God says that we, we've been saved, and now as the adopted offspring of God, he's brought us into his family, and we're so connected to him that our hearts cry out, Abba, Father, Daddy God. There's, our hearts cry out something intimate. See, this is why sometimes inside, have you ever felt like you're in a tug of war? Like you're battling, like a man of two minds is how James describes it. That you have this truth that wells up and lives there, and then you have this other side that just always seems to go crazy, and, and they just battle one another. That's our spirit and our soul. Our soul sometimes has been so indoctrinated, maybe even in our upbringing, indoctrinated in certain fears or, or perspectives or whatever, and it battles. And so we've got this deep desire to, to love God, to walk with God. Anybody ever feel that kind of thing, and yet you just feel like you can't? But that desire, that desire to, to want to grow, that desire, that knowledge that says, I know I'm his. That's the witness of the spirit because you're built to hear him. You're literally created in his image so that when spirit language comes to you, it lands. And then we lean. That's why the word of God says, lean not to your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge him. And he will direct your paths. You see, some of the ancient languages are so emphatic with the beauty and the love and the care of God that even that passage of scripture from Proverbs is is not some casual thing. If we really will lean into and acknowledge him, like if we have a thought and we know, gosh, that thought about me is, that's not from God. I know he doesn't think about me like that. And he says, if you'll just acknowledge me there, Kathy, if you'll just let me tell you, no, that's not how I see you. And then if you'll let me, whether it's through teaching of a teacher or you find it in the word all by yourself or you're reading a book about the truth and you find these truths and, it's, and it tells you about identity, 
God is coming to you. God is teaching you. He's built your heart. We can't make like reading a book or reading a scripture or coming to a teaching. Don't make it casual. You see, God is talking to us tonight. Even I think about this sometimes like, God, how, how is it that I get so passionate? Why do I get so passionate about this truth? And you know what happened when I got born again, not born again, baptized in the spirit 30 years ago. And I remember about 10 years in, I said, this passion is getting hotter and hotter. I don't hardly know what to do with it. What, like, what if it, what if it goes away? I got scared because now I'm realizing I have a full-time call and I'm thinking, what if the passion goes away? What if I get tired and the passion goes away? And he said, well, where did you get the passion? And I said, you. And he said, are you going to quit coming to me? And I, it was so simple. I believed that he was talking to me. And I thought, no, I'll never quit coming to you. I, I won't. And when I feel crazy or when I feel not hot, not passionate, I go to him. And the minute, it's like it comes up again. But why, guys? Why, why has he made me passionate like this? Why has he made me so emphatic? Why is it that I'll catch things like this like he's messing with our minds in the right way? Why has he made me like that? Because he cares about you guys. And he knows that there are people that you will see that I'll never see. And maybe that only you can reach. And so he says, just teach. If there's one person there on Wednesday, if there's five people there on Wednesday, teach this truth. See, I'm so grateful I had a spiritual father who took me. And literally, the first day he met me, I took my Bible and he took me into it. And he said, this is where you'll go to find out what you want to know. This is where you go. Anything you need to know, Kathy, you'll find it right here. I said, how will I find it? I don't know. He said, he'll take you there. He'll guide you. Do you believe he'll guide you? You see, you don't have to be a theologian. You don't have to be a teacher. God loves you. God wants to show you why you exist. You're so important that if you were the only one here tonight, he would have a teacher here to work with you. If you had no teacher and no Bible, he would still speak to you. He would find you and he would find a way to communicate to you. I'm so convinced of that. think about different interactions with each one of you in this room that I've had through the years. I mean, I, every time I look at you, Betty, I, I think about Myla and I think about, oh gosh, the simplicity of two women that met each other years ago and a grandmother that knows the truth and a baby now thrives. I want to go one more place and then I'll close. And I wasn't planning this one, but boy, how important is it? Sorry for the drippy nose. I feel such an urgency of God calling us. And, and I know in Pastor Barry's heart, 
the spirit of this school rested for so many years before he came to this country and was able to have the church and, and build it. And the spirit of that still resides here. In 1 Corinthians 15, um, where should I start? I think I'll start at verse 44. It is sown a natural body. It's speaking of the resurrection and so forth. And it's sown a natural body. It's raised a spiritual body. Speaking of, you know, the life that we have. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam, speaking of Christ, became a life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural, and afterward the spiritual. The first man was of the earth, made of dust. The second man is the Lord from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are made of dust. And as is the heavenly man, so also are those who are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. You've been born again. You are now spiritual beings, and it was said that that spiritual man is a life-giving spirit. Think about it, guys. We're not only built to receive life, but the Bible says that freely you've received, so freely give. So as we learn, even as Allison was sharing tonight, she was literally sharing with us hot off the press a spiritual lesson that she has learned in the past week. Hot off the press. That's supernatural. And everybody that shares offering do, it's just that there was, there's something being built tonight. There's something being built. That God is truly filling us personally so that we will overflow. Because the earth needs life. God is planting a very beautiful garden. And you're his sower. Sometimes I think it's so interesting when I, before I knew I was a teacher, I remember I spent about a year every time, every morning when I'd get up in my devotions, where am I going, Lord? And I couldn't get away from Mark chapter four. I couldn't get away from it. Mark chapter four is about the sower, sowing the seed. And God spent that year unpacking who I was as a sower. I had no idea I had a call, no idea that I had ability to teach. Wouldn't have wanted it if I'd known it because I was scared spitless to be in front of anybody except close friends and say anything. But in that year, I, I was absolutely enamored with the power that if you get this stuff in your heart, it'll wreck you for regular life forever. I remember one time um, I was praying and, you know, when you pray and, and the word is, there's just situations you're looking at and praying for and it's like, it just shouldn't be like that, Lord, deep inside. And so you're just trusting him like, what the heck do I say? And I remember he, he spoke to my heart and said, once you understand love, 
there are certain things you just cannot tolerate anymore. Father, I thank you for your goodness to us. I thank you tonight, Father God, for these men and women that are so rich. So rich, so loving, so kind. I thank you that you have such an intention and such a purpose for them. First, to be loved by you. To be deeply loved by you. To know so much that they are loved by you that it will wreck them forever. But it will also open them up so wide the people that come across their path will fall into the depths of their heart. And I trust you, Father, that you're doing that in all of us. You're doing that in this household. Teach us to not quench you, Father God. Teach us to really yield to your Holy Spirit in and through this household. Teach us to recognize you, to know that you're speaking to us, to know that you are literally willing to give us all kinds of answers, all kinds of courage, the nerve to do things that maybe at this moment we wouldn't believe we would do. But your word truly is working in us to will and do of your pleasure and purpose. And you're worthy of our yielded hearts, Father God. You've saved us to the uttermost in ways we really can't yet comprehend. But you're teaching us. And we're grateful tonight. In Jesus' name.